This podcast was produced in association with FunEmploymentRadio.com. Greetings, nerds, geeks, and gamers. I am Jason Chevron Chops, and welcome to the Will Adjusted Gamer Podcast. It is currently May 31st, and this week it's just me again, talking Destiny 2, Bloodstained, Black Panther, and much and much more. Oh, and it's been a whole year since I started doing this little podcast show. What? This isn't so much of a an anniversary episode, sadly, but hey... Why not you take a moment and let me know what some of your favorite moments or episodes have been so far, eh? Why not? As per always, be sure to check out all of the other fine programs on FunEmploymentRadio.com and TheACPN.com. Also, be sure to subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Follow WAG Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, at WAG Podcast, and... Send your show content ideas. Like I said, let me know what some of your favorite episodes or moments and whatever have been to WAGpodcastpdx at gmail.com. WAGpodcastpdx at gmail.com. Don't be shy, boys. I'm freakier than a lot lizard, and I like to show my boobs over. This is the Will Adjust Gamer Podcast. So first up on my to-do list here, I found out, I was contacted by a new fight club here, gaming fight club. Um, what do you want to call it? It's like a Facebook group and they do events around town having um, tournament style competitions with like a like a longer running like season too, where they keep track of stats for everybody along the way. But um the group is called Battle Lounge, and they can be found on Facebook. And looking at the the existing schedule for May, which is over now, I don't see a June schedule yet, but every Wednesday night, there's like a casual meetup, and then Tuesdays is when they have their kind of tournament nights. And they're currently cycling through Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Street Fighter V, and Tekken 7, I believe. So worth checking out. I want to get out and see a couple of their um, different events. But they also live stream everything as well. So that's easy to get on and look at and see if it's something that you would want to spectate or be a part of. But something that it definitely ranges. Again, they have like their casual nights and then the tournament nights. So players of all levels are welcome. But yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing more from those guys. Um, Other than that, some news. The last couple of days have been heating up because we've got IGN. E3 right around the corner. So... Nintendo was first to kind of come out of the gates with their Pokemon Let's Go announcements and then their new mobile game too that I can't remember the name of. Um, But Let's Go, if you're a fan, of course, you already know everything possible about these. But Let's Go, um, Pikachu and Eevee will be coming out and they are modern reinterpretations of Pokemon Yellow, I believe. But coming out for the switch finally so there's your hot pokemon action on your your little magic tablet (laughs) take anywhere with you home console 
as opposed to the the micro DS situation we've had for years now. So everybody's happy with that because I don't know. Has there been? I don't think there's even ever been a mainline Pokemon console game. I I yeah. I think everything's been portable. I mean, it is Pocket Monster, so that's actually a, a new step for the the thing. Because there's yeah, there's definitely sideline games like for the 64 and everything since then. There's been some kind of Pokemon game, but yeah, I think that is that's the first for a full-fledged console. Which I mean, eh, this Switch is like in between. But anyway, that's coming out um, with a lot of like interconnectivity with the Pokemon Go app game where you can like transfer characters across or Pokemon across but I from the trailer it didn't look like you could use them in any real capacity like you transfer them over and they exist in your little I don't know zoo to <laughs> run around and look at and play with but not much beyond that I I haven't seen at least there there could be more coming who knows but there's also the Pokeball controller that they're coming out with that takes the place of one of the little clip-on thingies. What do they call this? It's not a nunchuck anymore. But you know what I mean. But the Pokeball has like a little, I think a joystick on the front of it. And there's more buttons on the back of it maybe? Because you can play the game using the Pokeball. And then it's got the Pokemon Move um, capture style like mini game when you're fighting Pokemon or trying to catch them in the wild, which is neat. That's a, a friend or a happy addition because that was actually one of the, the more fun parts of Pokemon go was just the, the action of catching the, the actual Pokemon. That was, that was neat. So interested, interested to see how that develops. Um, but yeah, the mobile game that actually, they pulled a, a Bethesda with that one where they announced it and it was out. Like that day, you could go to the the eShop and download it, and I guess there's going to be a a mobile phone version coming as well, and it's um like the it's got like a blocky art style, and it's all 3D running around, and it's more of like an action RPG style kind of game, I guess, but it's built like a mobile game, so there's like time limits and stuff of how long you can play, basically, unless you buy the DLC packs to unlock more stuff and. It's, it's one of those shysty money grabbing, whatever you would pay to pay to play type games, but Hey, it, it works. Um, one of our buddies already had it on his switch and he was playing it and said, it is, it is, it's pretty fun. And he's probably going to spend a few bucks on it. So free to play worth checking out. Um, but yeah, a good tease of what's to come in other teasing news. And also in regard to Bethesda, they had a funky little stream going for I want to say close to 24 hours that was just like a a please stand by screen with a bobblehead standing in front of it and random people popping in and out of the background that had over 140,000 people watching nothing <laughs> on Twitch on this live stream where literally nothing was going on for the longest time all for <clears throat> at the end of it to show like a one two minute trailer of what seems to be the next mainline fallout game coming. Um, I don't remember if they showed a release date. I don't think so, but definitely something we're going to see a lot more of at E3 in the coming weeks here. But, um, it is going to be called fallout vault 76 at the moment. And 
the the trailer itself just shows the usual setting. It shows inside the vault. There's like a birthday party of some kind going on and everybody's gone, it seems. But the whole theme of this and the, the existing story um, in the Fallout kind of mythology is that Vault 76 was one of the, in air quotes, control vaults. So the different vaults that everybody huddled into when the nuclear holocaust went down had different kind of scenarios built into them so people so the um, what's the company is it vault tech yeah vault tech so they could study so vault tech could study how people react to different stimuli during this this long hibernation period underground so i can't remember a lot of the twisted things but like there was one that like the plants went crazy and killed everybody there was oh other ones where they did weird stuff with the with the overseers but god what well, then the last game fallout 4 that's the one where your vault had cryotubes so as opposed to all the other games where it's been 200 years and now like second and third generation vault dwellers are coming to the surface to try to figure out what the hell's going on you came out fresh as a daisy and really pissed a few people off. Like the, the vault tech salesman that came to the door right before the Holocaust is still a ghoul and he's had a, a miserable life out there in the, the wasteland. But it also appears we're going back to the capital wasteland or thereabouts because it takes place in, we assume Virginia, because that's the, there's like a song played in the background of the trailer that alludes to such things but the new <clears throat> like i said there's there's nothing about gameplay in the trailer it's just your typical stuff like you're seeing yeah here it is it's it's the same setting and scenario except you're in this control vault and that that was the thing with the control vault there's no special anything about it the control vaults are also the first ones to open so this is only 20 years after the nuclear holocaust as opposed to 200, like the mainline games have been so far. So you're going to see a whole different wasteland, a whole different world, and different evolutions, or whatever you want to call it, of the creatures and people and everything in the world. So very interesting new setting. Um, still a little disappointing that we're not seeing like a new biome, that we're not on the, the West Coast or in California yet, or other countries that were just back to basics back to the, where it all started basically so that's a little bit of a letdown but then the other stuff that's got everybody kind of twisted up that's that's bittersweet and it's definitely going to be a case of what camp you fall in what kind of games you like but the rumors are from two separately apparently confirmed but remaining anonymous sources that the game is going to be along the lines of something like um H1Z1 or Rust, these like open world multiplayer survival games, which is great thematically because like I said, you're coming out of the vault 20 years later, the world is completely foobar, everything's going to be radioactive and torn to shit, there's not going to be anything anywhere, you're going to be scrounging and it, it sounds great, it sounds like a really good idea, I'm into it, I'm way into it because I've had yet to see... One of those types of games that do interest me. I, I do like these kind of survival-based games where there's base building and, you know, 
open world multiplayer stuff going on, but there's never been a good package for it, a good theme, a good story wrapped around it, and this is that. So I finally have got more of the pieces in place that I will definitely be living very close to this game for a while. Like I'm depending on what we see, depending, depending on how it develops and everything. But I, I think this might be a day one if they actually stick to their guns and what it appears they are doing. If it just ends up being Fallout 5, hey, no problem. I'll take that too. So <laughs> no big deal there. Something else cool that happened in the last week or so here. Um, IGN actually did a little short video um, expose or whatever you want to call it focused on Portland and pizza and video games, like the best pizza and places to check out video games here in town and around featuring ground control. Hey, and quarter world. And I can't remember the name of the pizza place, but Definitely worth checking out, especially if you're local or if you want to know more about these places that I talk about all the damn time. It was very interesting and well put together. Another trailer that dropped that really got everybody hot and bothered and in a lot of bad ways <laughs> as opposed to good. We've got Battlefield 5 now. The um, prevailing theory was after they showed just like the teaser of the, the logo and everything that maybe we were going to Vietnam finally because they showed it as battlefield v but they did mean five so battlefield five returning to our world war ii roots so battlefield 1942 was there 40 i think there's a 43 and some other ones but this was definitely a deep well for them this is where they like got their footing started the whole series so it's nice to be getting back to this but the trailer does not really sell the game in any good fashion. Like, it's more COD than Battlefield in the trailer. Like, it's just fast-paced action, people jumping and diving in way too close proximity as to what the game actually ends up playing out like. I mean, I, I get it, they're trying to, to sell hype and get you all excited, but man, no, this that that's not the game we're looking for. That's not what the battlefield audience goes for. So little, little weird, little muddy waters there, but it's not a complete disaster yet. Um, some of the other bright sides, dice jumped right in front of the, the battlefront drama around loot boxes. There is absolutely none. They say as of now, um, they're also supposedly going to include all the DLC with the, the core purchase. no, DLC, no season passes to have to buy later on. But what will that end up looking like? I don't know. Nobody knows. Um, I can't remember a real good example F from them. There's nothing recently that really sets a good example of what free DLC could look like. I mean, Battlefront 2, maybe, where you got a couple maps over the course of the, the year that it's been out. So I don't. I would say don't expect much, but it's it's definitely hard to say. One thing though, I have like a big theory or I don't know if you want to call it that, but I wish that they would just ditch the single player side of things for the mainline release. So with Battlefield 5, there's obviously going to be some kind of story mode tacked on that nobody wants to play. 
some people will play through just to be completionists like me, but it's not going to be great. It's not going to be a, a game selling feature and everybody just wishes they would cut that out. If they did, if they just shoved the single player to the side and didn't worry about it, how much more budget would they have to allow for this free content that they're talking about? The other thing, my kind of proposal for it is there's got to be better options on the table than this. They know from their previous releases, I mean, this is, God, how many games now? At least 10, I think, between Battlefield, Battlefront, Hard or Bad Company, Hardline, the, the like sideline games that they've had. They've put out a shitload of games. They know what works and what doesn't. They have all the sales, active user numbers, attrition numbers, like all that stuff is out there. Why can't they make a better decision in regards to these things? It makes no sense. So me being nobody, little gamer guy over here, I say, why not make a core Battlefield game for $30? And this is part of that games as a service thing that everybody has such a boner for right now. That $30 includes a standard map set with a couple of rounds of DLC within the first year of release or whatever. Then why not release a $30 single player or side story in the same era and conflict as that existing game? And if you buy that, you get some like carryover items or stuff that you could use that doesn't add maps that nobody else can use unless I bought that game. That kind of thing. Or, I mean, do add maps for free from that the games share, you know, something along those lines. That way you can focus on this, this core multiplayer experience. It's cheaper for more people to get into a $30 game right now would slay. I mean, it does like PUBG. That's why there's a million billion people playing it is because not only was it a cool concept, but it's also half the price of every other game that's out there. That's a thing. That works. That's that's a system seller or a game seller. That's that's what moves product. Um, other things like Fortnite. Fortnite is huge because it's free. Like, like it, uh, it's insane that they're just leaving this money on the table. But like I said, make this $30, $30 core game. You can reuse a lot of those assets and everything to make a single player game later. Once you've got this shit ton pile of money from selling this $30 multiplayer game, now you can start peeling some of those Benjis off and make this side game, whatever you want to do. Something like Bad Company. That's how those games came to be. Um, the following year from that, why not release the next game in the, in the main core series? Again, $30, same engine, new multiplayer maps and everything. And I got like a system like that could last two, three years plus. Like we're already with the, the Frostbite engine, I don't know. They've been throwing that name around for six, eight years now. Cause I think we're on frostbite three now, but frostbite three has already seen, Oh God, battlefield one battlefront. I can't, I think battlefront was on the same engine still battlefront two and now battlefield five and hardline was probably part of it too. So already five games in how many years off of this same engine. So, Hey, you know, me being nobody, me having no development experience, experience, no publishing experience. It, it, I mean, who am I to say, but it, it sounds like a better model. It should work. I wish somebody would try it. 
prove me wrong. Damn it. If you're out there, Dice, if you're listening, please prove me wrong. Do this and then send me the bill when it doesn't work out. How about that? It's it's in writing now. I guess it's a guarantee. No, don't do it. Please, God, no. Uh, something else new and interesting. The um, Bloodstained prequel game, Curse of the Moon, came out the other day. And I played it. I streamed it, actually. What the hell? A stream? Live stream? What? But I played through the game. It's only about an hour and a half long if you're halfway decent. And I am. I was halfway decent. I beat the game in an hour and a half, man. It was not easy. It's a very hard game at times. And it's very well made. Very reminiscent of many different classic games like the old Castlevanias. But also Mega Man, Metroid, um little bit of what are some of the other ones because it was it was just like teenage mutant ninja turtles the first one it was a lot like that too where you've got multiple characters to switch between when they die you have three left and then when that guy dies you have two left and then so you've you've got your team of four players with different attacks and attributes and special weapons and whatnot but they also can access different secret areas of all the levels so there's a lot of replayability there's like secret stuff going on there's one of the things I saw, there's like a suit of armor that you can collect piece by piece, but I only got like two pieces of that playing through the game as I did. Like I said, there's a lot of secret paths, so there's a lot of replayability there, a lot of stuff to seek out and figure out, and a lot of secrets, I think, and stuff that'll tie into the main release when that finally does come out. But overall, very exciting and very inspiring in a way to see a Kickstarter um, feature or what do they call that? Like a stretch goal actually come to fruition. It's a real thing. It's out there. You could play it. The only downside, everybody's getting pretty butthurt that the console keys for the game were not available at the same time as the Steam keys. So the game released on Steam. It was supposed to come out for all the different little consoles and stuff. And those got delayed somehow. It's probably something to do with the approval process, I'm sure, because everything could come out on PC the day of like nobody cares there's no real quality hoops and hurdles to have to jump through but um on the consoles that's a horrible horrible situation it takes forever to get anything approved so i'm sure that had something to do with it but those should be rolling out if they aren't already i haven't seen an update on it but the in the meantime everybody that was entitled to a copy of this game gets a steam key for it as well as a, a temporary kind of stopgap. So you can get in, play the game, enjoy it while you're waiting for your final console version to come along. So it's it's nice of them to, you know, try to meet people in the middle. And I think people gave it a little a little too much heat because man, you're you're getting a lot for for nothing and basically kind of a a historic release in my opinion. So yeah, chill bro. Just enjoy it. And go watch that live stream. I think I wanna download it and put it up on YouTube too, just to keep it forever. Cause it was fun. I, I enjoyed myself in other news of what I've been playing. This is where we'll get into my nerdy deep dive of the day because I have been playing a lot of destiny two finally. So destiny one, dear God, I played on PS4, the alpha for like 24 hours total, I think, or more. 
I played the beta for another 20, 40 hours or so. And then I played the final release for another 60, 80 hours. So I was a huge Destiny fan. The first one was great. It had, I mean, it's basically a modern Halo. It's Halo made by the people that actually made Halo. And it's the whole same kind of space opera, sci-fi fantasy stuff, but it's an FPS wrapped inside an RPG. And it's just, the gameplay is the most satisfying on, on, at the time, on console, it was the most satisfying shooting console game I had ever played. I had ever put hands on. Like, it just, it felt so good. There's a, a good bit of, like, auto-aim going on because there's a lot of stats and dice rolls going on in the background. So, it's not as explicitly FPS as something like Battlefield. Like, like Call of Duty, even. There's a lot of fluff in between, but it still feels so good. And it's nice to know that you don't have to be some kind of FPS monster lord to to have success in the game or even in the Crucible, the multiplayer stuff. Like, you could still get around and, and do fairly well. You don't have to be some crazy just killmonger, like, killstreak maniac all the time. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Call of Duty and how terrible that online experience can be. But with um, Destiny, it's like an online open world kind of like a, an MMO where you're running around in a common area. You see other players run around. There's never that many. There's probably no more than like 10 on a map at a time when you're out in the world. When you go back to like the central hub cities, there's, there's more people running around doing stuff, shopping and whatnot. But um, you can always link up and create a, what they call a fire team of, I think up to four people, I know there's up to six when you go on the raids, but I think when you're out in the world, I think it's two to f two to four, I think. Yeah. So you can play solo, which works really well, or you can um, team up with your buddies or just randos and run around and do stuff. With um, Destiny 2, nothing has really changed as far as the core experience goes. Everything works the same, the way the, the kind of loot cycle runs where... You get guns, especially when you're starting out, it's a it's a really like turn and burn system when you first like the first 10, 20 hours of the game. Because it's like battle or what is it? Um oh, holy shit, I can't think of the name of it. Um 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 um, um The Handsome Jack game. God damn it. This is terrible. I'm gonna have to pause and look it up. Borderlands, you idiot. Jeez. <laughs> that's that's what I was trying to think of. Borderlands. It's like Borderlands where you get a million guns and you're just like dropping them and picking up the next one every time. Like nothing really clicks. But it's nice because you get to kind of cycle through all the different weapon types and see what you're good with, what you enjoy. And then when you hit level 20, the, the cap for the, the core game, then gear sticks like you get stuff that's powerful enough to keep and upgrade on on the side as opposed to just ditching and grabbing another thing and for mine i've been able to stick just like cosmetically like if something looks good i keep it and there's a couple of legendary armor pieces exotic things that i got to keep and they've i keep them just because they have really good stats and bonuses and whatnot but 
the loot cycle, yeah, it's it's weird. The gear cycle, I should say, where, yeah, you're just turning and burning through stuff and everything's just trash. And even now still, like every nine out of 10 things you pick up off the ground are useless. You just dismantle them for basically currency to use for something else. So not, not something to get really caught up on. But anyway, I'm kind of just spinning my wheels on this whole thing. Um, went through that, went through that, went through that. The story of it all, I, you know, it's, it's aliens fighting for control of big mysterious powers and it's all around our solar system and there's crazy shit going on everywhere. The world's been destroyed. It's thousands of years, hundreds, thousands of years in the future. So all of that stuff, um, in terms of the game itself, uh, graphics, very solid. I don't think it's much more advanced than the last one. But rock solid, very pretty. This is on my 1050 Ti, and I'm running it at Ultra, and it stays at 60 or around there. Like, I've seen it drop down to, like, 55, 56 ever. So it, it definitely works very well, even on limited graphics. And, I mean, God, if you put it on low or something, because I'm still, that's 1080p, 60 frames. So it's doing very well for me. Um, Gameplay-wise, like I talked about, it's... A very solid, very satisfying gameplay experience. Um, if you are like a casual fan of shooters, you will love it. If you're more of a hardcore shooter fan, you will enjoy it still. It, it's not that bad. Like like I said, there's a lot of auto-aim and stuff, but that builds into the, the satisfaction factor where, yeah, you're, you're bombing these headshots from across the map with the pistol and it doesn't make any sense, but it feels great. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's good stuff. It's... It's carbs, it's candy, it's sugar, and it's great. It's probably not the best for you, just just like the real thing, you know? But hey, I, I like it. It's addictive, and it's, yeah, it's fun. Oh, geez, I feel like a, an addict. I need to go to Destiny Rehab. Um, like I said, nothing really drastic has changed from the last game. Um, there's definitely, there was some drama... Everybody kind of figured out the the leveling up cycle or the the way experience was working behind the scenes that it's like you go really fast for this first period and then it just completely drops off and everything takes months and months longer than it should or like it doesn't keep pace with how the game was and people very clearly pointed that out and Bungie said they were going to work to address some of that. I don't know how much has really changed. Again, I've still been fairly satisfied with the stuff that I've come across. It makes it worth playing because you don't just go in and get a bunch of crazy stuff every time you're there. A couple of hours playing will net you maybe a couple upgrades and maybe like a new cool item. So it's it's not nothing, but it's not overdone. I, I don't know. I think they struck a pretty good balance overall. Um, da, da, da. Yep, takes well, blah, 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 just grind, blah, blah, blah. So, where the real, like, addictive parts come up is this, this loot grind cycle. So, the missions are great. They're very well written this time. They're very well acted, again. The, there's a ton of, like, interesting sci-fi jargon, but the real pull, like, after playing through that 20 or so hour intro story mode that was great, very interesting, very fun to see. Like, I definitely want to see more of the story, which comes in later with the DLC, which is unfortunate. But once you're through with the main story, 
this the stuff oh boy this is like the the biggest joy comes from you end up replaying the missions with higher difficulty and then with multiplayer so, so through the the strikes they call them so the strikes you drop into a mission that you've mostly already played with a couple other people that it'll you could put on your fire team or it'll randomly match you up with and then you run through the missions and they have different modifiers like the enemies have higher hit points do more damage or certain things don't work as well but then you have other advantages so figuring that stuff out working as a team really helps pay off um then there's heroic strikes which are ridiculous they're they're just way too hard for me i i don't think i even did good last time with any of those but the heroic strikes are basically like back in halo days the heroic difficulty was everything was overpowered you die very quickly like you get one-shotted even though you have like an overshield and all these crazy high stats and everything so makes it very interesting but a little bit too much of a grind for me personally like i don't think i'll ever go back to the heroic strikes unless i've got some buddies and we can really communicate and try to strategize but when you're just playing with randos it just didn't work but the the strikes themselves are great and once you get to the end that's when that sweet sweet loop drops at the end oh boy so the the grind is still the same where even at the end of these missions, like you might get something cool, but the most part is you're just getting stuff that you tear apart and basically sell off for other things. But it's all part of the cycle of the system and it does feel good. But there's no, like once you're into doing this stuff, there's no real end. So there's the end to the main game, the, the story mode, the, the 20 or so hours. Once you hit that, like that's it. The world just exists and you're going through and basically repeating everything and retreading through these areas that you've already been through. And I mean, that's, that's it. So there's a little bit of that kind of stagnation that happens, but there's still, I don't know. It's again, it's so satisfying to drop in and play. It's, it's fun to do stupid repetitive quests because there's so much random stuff that can happen. And there's little, like many, many, many different tiers of like activities to do like you go to a planet you've got a story mission that you'll run through and then there's another set of story missions from there and then there's just single standalone side missions and then there's other little like fetch quests to run around and do and then there's also public events that happen from time to time and then there's individual challenges every time you log into the game where it says like do three of these find five of those go and find this hidden treasure thing and that gives you like extra stuff like there's so much to do that it doesn't feel repetitive somehow like it's I, I don't know it's definitely something that you need to experience to fully understand but it's a crazy system to really kind of <laughs> try to tear apart and and describe but once you've exhausted all of that stuff there is dlc there's been two rounds of dlc so far the Curse of Osiris, and then um, Warmind. So Warmind just released a couple weeks ago. The combo pack I think I saw was like $35 for both of them. That's for like this the season pass, basically. So for a game that, through Humble Bundle, was $12, for another $35, I still haven't paid full price for a game. So it, it's not too bad, but oh boy, yeah, I'd be mad if I paid $60 for this on release like it's that's a high price to pay that's this is another game that could probably 
have done well for just 30 because I know everybody was done with the the story of the the game within like the first couple of days of release and that I, re- I think I remember seeing some murmurs about that online being <laughs> kind of a, a shit deal but um as of now yeah like I'm interested I think over time I'm gonna get more and more interested and I'll probably pull the trigger before I really want to on the DLC because the story stuff was really really engaging really fun to see and experience and the trailers for the new stuff are also pretty intriguing and you also get to level up higher like the level cap i think now with the other dlcs is 30 or so and then you get new weapons and gear new exotic stuff to check out and grind for so i don't know i i I will i will get the dlc eventually i think but it's it's hard to say when i think when that stuff is like 15 20 bucks i'll be in um but now i don't know for now the game will still exist for me as a great way to kill a couple hours anytime basically by just dropping in doing a few missions seeing what's what's new on the strikes seeing what kind of new challenges are out there um there's like the iron banner stuff that comes up for the the citadel the the multiplayer competitive stuff so i mean there's there's tons of stuff to to do and it is it's it's just super satisfying to drop in pop some alien noggins grind through some gear and guns and drop out and it's just yeah it is what it is man it's like i said it's addictive as hell but it's like good nasty comfort food so again yeah i i recommend it to anyone who enjoyed halo any fans of sci-fi and fps games and especially now that it can be had i think it's like i remember seeing it was like 8.99 or something 10 bucks on xbox one i don't know if that's still true if that was just like a quick sale but man yeah it's it's good stuff for the money for sure Another game on my future list here is God of War on PS4. I'm finally going <laughs> to... I'm such an idiot. The thing, the shit that I've done with Gran Turismo Sport is disgusting. I, it makes me feel gross. But God of War came out like a month ago now. And I've had Gran Turismo since January from Gamefly. So, <clears throat> number one, I'm a scumbag because I've been squatting on a game from a rental service basically preventing anybody else from playing it which that's a dick move but i've also been playing or paying for gamefly for now four full months having only one game in the house i've had gran turismo this whole goddamn time i just bought it four months of gamefly is sixty dollars plain and simple like i i paid enough to have just bought the stupid ass game I've been sitting on it, squatting on it, waiting for the keep it price to drop down below $20, $30. It's like 30 something still. Well, then the other day, the thing that finally triggered me, I see the like newsletter from Sony. Gran Turismo Sports is going to be $20 in a week. Like June 9th, I think. It's going down to retail $20. So done. I don't need this in my house anymore. So I sent it back. <clears throat> God of War will be here. Who knows when? Probably like five or six days. But definitely still looking forward to playing through that one i was apprehensive because they were going in a drastically different direction with the whole game i was burnt out i think on the existing format so it's not the worst thing ever for them to really change but i just wanted to see how it ended up being how they really ended up with the whole 
like I said before, Dark Souls light style that they're kind of moving into. And it seems that everything worked out. So looking forward to getting into it, but also disappointed now to hear that they are not planning any expansions for that game, allegedly, from the director, producer of the game, that it is what it is. Which is weird because there were areas on the map that people were really excited about that looked like, I mean, they're they're there. They're on the map. We're going to get to go there someday. And that was something that happened with um, Horizon Zero Dawn. There was like a, a ledge that I, you could get to. And if you went too far, like the game would threaten to, to reload your last save because you're trespassing. And that's where the DLC ended up being. So it's it's a weird deal. I don't know what they're going to end up doing on that, but looking forward to playing it. Um, look forward to hearing about it, I guess. A nice month-old game that I'll be playing. Um, outside of games, movies, I did finally watch Black Panther, and oh boy, was that overrated. Holy shit. So it popped up on cable for, um, on demand for five, six bucks, whatever it was. So we popped it on last week. <clears throat> First warning sign was the Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it was... So looking at all the Marvel movies, all of the reviews, you've got the critic score and then you've got an audience score. Almost, I'd say 9 out of 10 of the other Marvel movies, every single one of them, the review scores were within like 5 points. So if critics said it was like a 95, audience said, yeah, it's like a 90. Or if critics said it's like an 85 audience might say it's uh, like more like a 90 consistent across all of those other movies except for a couple here and there worst one black panther critics said like 89 or something like that something high like low 90s or high 80s something around there audience score was like 15 points lower than that because i'm pretty damn sure everybody saw all the hype that was being made about it like me went and saw the movie and said it's just all right because it it is it's not bad it's just really not as good as everybody would have had you think the story and characters were fine everybody was well differentiated very well acted and well motivated like it was it was definitely a well-made story but the movie itself had just like way too much obvious and bad cg like some of the sets were lame like where they have the the whole like battle for who gets to be king up on top of this just stupid like casino decoration looking waterfall <laughs> and just people like standing up on the cliff face it just looked ridiculous it looked like like george lucas level shit like prequel stuff and even oh god i forgot about that <laughs> like <laughs> oh the 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 circle of leaders and it looked like the jedi council and just <laughs> My wife and I were dying talking shit about this. Just, where's Yoda? Like, he's, he's gonna go, is that Hayden Christensen right there? Is he, oh, geez. It was bad. There's there's a lot of just dumb, bad stuff. <laughs> but, um, again, like I said, it's it doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just, it's a little goofy, and it's, it's crazy to see. Like, I just listened to another podcast where they were talking about, oh, the best Marvel movies, and they put this one up on top over everything. And that's just, no, just no, it is not. It's, it's not better than Infinity War. It's not better than Ragnarok. It's not better than Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not better than any of those movies. Hell, once I finally get my shit together and watch it, I'll probably think Ant-Man is better than Black Panther. 
because even Ant-Man had better ratings. Like, it's, ah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Um, it's also really disappointing after having seen it that the media blitz, like we're in this world we're in right now, the, the political climate. I don't like to talk about this shit because it's not my place. Um, but this was just like in the media, the blitz was all about how important it was for basically for black cinema, because there's literally only two white people in the whole movie. The thing that they're missing that I never really saw or heard anything about, though, is how much it does for just females in film in general. Like, and that's that seemed to be like the bigger issue, like with all the Me Too stuff and everything going on that, you know, with the unfair pay for everything. It's like there's a lot of this shit going on, too. So, yeah, it's it's great to see that it's like a, a major majority black movie. But at the same time, there's a million of those every year. Whereas you don't see a lot of movies with a cast of all strong females that, I mean, it's none of them had to be sexed up or otherwise superficially made interesting. They're all just simply smart, strong, or funny, or a mix of all of that without it being called out at all. They just exist. They just are. Versus... The other powered women in, like, a lot of these movies where, I mean, God, the, the pedestal film, Wonder Woman, that everybody was so crazy about. Oh, it does so much for, for women and this, that, and it. And it was bullshit because to be a warrior in Wonder Woman, you have to wear less than 50% of the clothes of your male counterparts. Period. Like, none of that shit happens in Black Panther. Everybody is fully dressed. There's no sexy anything going on like ah it's it's weird i i don't understand the media and i i'm 1000% positive that this is why the movie got such high critic scores but then the audience is kind of meh is nobody as a critic can say anything negative about anything that's racial or sexist sexist having to do with the sexes gender like you can't say anything bad about Black Panther publicly because you're going to get lambasted and thrown to the fire and burned at the stake for it. So now you've got a movie with a false flag that says, oh yeah, it's great, it's the best movie ever, when it's not. Just because everybody's too chicken shit to call it out for what it is. It's just a good movie. It's so weird. Moving on from that drama <laughs> to a, a movie that was just good for being good, it popped up just randomly on Netflix, but it's called Cargo. This movie actually is a nice, has a sideline co connection to Black Panther because it stars Martin Freeman. Oh yeah, Bilbo. It's basically Bilbo with zombies. No, it's it's more than that. But it's a an Australian located um, zombie film that really plays soft on the zombies and it's it focuses more on kind of like the the struggle of the people in this in this film i mean there's like only five or six characters at the most and it's very light on the the zombies but it's i think a fresh take on the genre it's a great like get in tell a story get out type of film it's a neat unique now setting kind of remind me of a little bit of like mad max in ways but yeah, the characters were cool. The The world design was cool. 
there's like just the stuff that goes on in the background that kind of just builds the world is great and it's definitely worth checking out it was a very good fun easy to watch movie and again came out of nowhere i think this was another netflix produced film and yeah it's just good good solid film it was a definitely a good palate cleanser after being bored by black panther but <laughs> screw me man I'm just a terrible person for not being a diehard fan for Black Panther, right? Right? Come on. With that, though, that's about all I've got gas for today. Um, that's all I had on my notes. <laughs> that's all I'm going to talk about. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, congratulations to me for making it through a whole year already. Wow. Oh, man. Didn't really do an episode a week like I had originally set out to do. I think this is episode 35 instead of 52. But hey, you know, who doesn't take 20 weeks off? That, that's like a, a school teacher schedule. <laughs> um, otherwise, be sure to let me know some of your favorite stuff from the podcast over this year so far. Um, hopefully with that, I could put, put together some kind of hot package to more appropriately celebrate this milestone. But other than that, keep up on the, the Facebook there. Hit me up. Check out my stuff. I did that sculpture for the world next door that i actually won their contest their their fan art contest so that was that was cool go check that thing out and hey let me know if i can build you something do you have somebody's birthday coming up uh uh do you want a cake topper for your wedding i mean i i'm an artist i'm a sculptor i can make stuff i did you've, you've seen now i did the bobblehead for the unipiper i did this little guy i've done little animal stuff for my wife and family so yeah if you got a gift idea you want something let's let's talk about it we'll commission something other than that this has been the well-adjusted gamer podcast for uh may 31st 2018 and i will talk to you again soon thank you bye-bye